morning, guys. It's really good to see you guys. It really is. Now I got my glasses on. Yeah, it's really good to see you. It's tough when you get old. A little closer. You know, I was on a overseas deployment and came back. I've been away for a minute, and then I got back, took my physical, you know, move on my career and doc physical everything went well and all of a sudden I did the eye test and they went oh I said man I can't even see and I didn't know it so I figured maybe being around the things I was around you know it messed me up so I said to the doc I can't see and he said yeah I kind of noticed that and well get dressed and I'll explain it to you I said okay so I got dressed sat outside and was waiting for the bad news you know that oh I'm sorry something got in your eyes and whatever he says, yeah, you got older while you were, while you were overseas. I said, you've got to be kidding me. That can't work like that. They go, yeah, it was. I mean, I could read a map and without anything. And next thing now, I'm like, oh, oh now I see. Oh, when I get my body, woo. I'm not going to need these. Father, we thank you for your word. What would we do? Um, well, what would we do without food every day? I mean, we would starve and... It would not be good. Father, the same thing in the spirit, same thing in your family. You've given us the Bible, the word of God. It's our food, and we are honored to be here. I mean, Lord, look, I know you see all of these beautiful faces, and these are your people you love, and feed us, Lord. Let, let your word, let it just overflow and, and just... We love you and thank you for being here in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in Galatians, so turn in your Bible to Galatians. And we're in chapter 6 of Galatians, and we're going to finish up uh, the book. Hey, how about that? We're finishing Galatians. You could tick that one off on your card there that we went through, a comprehensive walk through Galatians. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And uh, while you're turning to Galatians, um, it... Um, it was written somewhere almost 2,000 years ago. Remember that? It was a little while ago. It was written uh, in a, a region or to a region of people in Asia Minor, which is Turkey, right about now, which I met a lady the other day from Turkey. And, um, you yeah, know, things are not good over there. But <laughs> Paul is the author of Galatians. Remember that, guys? Paul's the author. Uh, and he established many of these churches over there in Galatia. And like any good pastor, like any good pastor like we have, he has a love for the people. And he has a responsibility to the people. And uh, so that was Paul. However, like everything else in this world that God creates, the devil tries to just mess things up, right? So, so men during this time tried to creep into the churches, and they did, right? And they tried to creep in behind Paul. Um, and they wanted to destroy the gospel of grace. They wanted to add this gospel of works and law. And we saw that. Uh, they wanted to um, overturn what Paul was given by God to teach. And you know what? We actually owe a lot to Paul. Because he was confronting these strong-willed men that wanted to change everything else. And he stood up. He didn't back down and say, okay, I'll give in, all right, I'll be quiet. Now, Paul, he stood up and he said, no. And so we owe a lot to him to have that backbone in the Lord. We know it was the Lord to stand up. Um, 
I want you to think about this. The easiest way, and it's good to know these things, the easiest way for you or me to be turned away from the truth is if we are not in God's holy word every single day. That's the easiest way. There's other ways to be turned away from the truth, but that's the easiest way. And if we are not willing to seriously study God's word for ourselves, right? And if we get lazy, Dave, if we get lazy and just want to listen to everything that's out there, every wind of doctrine, we're going to swallow every hook that these guys are throwing out there. And we're going to be caught up in false doctrine simply because we're not in God's word. Now, Paul's epistle... As we have seen, okay, we've studied this, in Paul's epistle, he addresses these false doctrines that came his way, specifically the doctrine of works in the law, right? And we went through that. Now, to be, have a right relationship with God, a right relationship with God, Paul said one thing. These other people said another. Now, in chapter 6, as we get into chapter 6, and we're going to get there in a minute, I'll hang in there. Right? We are about to see Paul giving his flock, who he loves, all right, who he loves, step-by-step step guidance. Now, this is interesting. We're going to see this in chapter 6. He's going to give them step-by-step step guidance on how to live a successful Christian life. That's where he ends up. Now, how many of you want a successful Christian life? You know? I mean, I know I do. I want a successful Christian life. So you're like, okay, well, what do I mean by successful Christian life? I hear a lot of things out there, Pastor. Okay, but let me give you three of the things I wrote. There's a lot. I'm going to give you three things of what I mean uh, when I say we're going to look at, in chapter 6, how Paul is giving his flock a step-by-step -step guidance on how to have a successful Christian life. Number one, a life filled with rejoicing in the midst of a storm. Think about it. Think about it. I think that's very successful. Number two, number two, what I mean is a holy life where what you do for God is pleasing to God. I like that one. And the third one, okay, is a life lived for others and not just yourself. Those three things, successful Christian life. Okay, so let's look. Let's look now at this step-by-step uh, -step guidance. And we're going to see the philosophy of God for how we should walk our Christian life, right? Uh, it's a reality. So let's look at verse 1 and see what God has for us today. He says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass... Stop right there. What's the first word? Brethren? So he's pitting Paul is zeroing in on or, or bringing the attention... To brethren. Only way that you can get to a brethren, right, is to be born again. He's talking to born again people. You know, there's no other way for us to gain all of this beautiful truth that we're going to learn on a, on a Christian, successful Christian life unless you're born again. And being born again is very simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's very simple, isn't it? 
just to believe on the Lord. Then you become this. Brethren, if any man, verse 1, is overtaken, and that means caught, in any trespass, and that's willful, or, you know, if you intentionally did something wrong, or you didn't intentionally do something wrong, if any man is overtaken or caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, overtaking, caught, right? As a Christian, when we trespass, right, uh, what happens? We get convicted and we get chastened by God, right? When we're unsaved, when we were unsaved, what we did, we didn't care. We couldn't care less. I mean, I know I did. I trespassed all day long. Didn't mean a thing to me. But now that you became a Christian, what happened to you when you trespassed? You started feeling it, didn't you? And you started saying, Lord, oh, man, I shouldn't have did that. Well, what is that evidence of? What's evidence that I'm part of the family? I mean, yes, it's a tough thing you got to go through because you got to repent. And you got to get back on your feet with the Lord. But you know what? If you're caught in it, you know, you, you feel it in your heart. So here, I love how he says that if a person is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual. Now, being spiritual here is a mature Christian, right? So if, if you're spiritual and you're mature in Christ, it comes with responsibility. Being a mature Christian, knowing what you know, there's a responsibility on your shoulders to help others. Not just to let people go on their way and, I guess, go off a cliff. And you notice here, he says here, Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. He says, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You know, a spirit of gentleness is uh, something I think in a lot of lives that's kind of lost in how we relate to one another. Because we always think we're right and you're wrong. <laughs> so I have something to tell you. But to be a mature Christian, when someone falls, they make a mistake, hey, restore them, in a, right? Restore them and use it. And, and the way that you go about it is through a, uh, a gentleness, having a gentleness. So it also talks about restoring, right? It says restore such a one. Now think about this. One of God's major themes throughout the Bible that we see is what? restoration from beginning to end it's restoration so i want you to think about this what a great way for us to view all of our relationships whatever they are with a view of restoration how about we go through life with an attitude of restoration not condemnation Okay, so he also tells them of course how to restore in the spirit of gentleness all right? Now, if we do things in the spirit, because if you notice what it says, restore such a one in a spirit, right? In a spirit. And we're living in the spirit, right? So doing things in the spirit has a lasting and eternal effect upon other people's life. Because when you do things in the flesh, guess what it profits? Absolutely nothing. 
Jesus said that, right? It is the spirit that gives life, right? It is the spirit that gives life. So the things that we do in restoring someone in a, with the spirit of gentleness, right? What does that do? It has a lasting and eternal effect upon that person. And hopefully they will take that and pass that on to somebody else that they need to restore. So having the gentleness of God in restoring someone is far-reaching. It's far-reaching. Now, he says here, uh, look at verse 1, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Just think how you would like to be treated in the church if you fell, if you made a mistake. How would you like to be treated? Well, I think that that's a good thought to have. So, um, if you were tempted and you were needing restoration, I think you would like to be restored with a spirit of gentleness, right? I think so. So, God knew all of this. Uh, he shared this with Paul to share to them. He knew of the weaknesses that we have. So, he put restoration as a part of our life simply because he loves us. He knows we're going to make a mistake. So, Paul brings it out. Um, then he goes on and he says here, because the next thing he gets into is bearing one another's burdens. Look at that in verse 2. He goes on to say, bear one another's burdens. Okay? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That sounds simple enough, right? Now, burdens come in many shapes and many sizes and many weights. Okay? There's a lot of burdens out there. However... We have a responsibility to bear one another's burdens. Think about that. We have a responsibility to bear one another's burdens. For instance, if I gave you a big duffel bag that was too heavy for you to carry, but two people can carry it, and each side had a handle on it. And if I said to you, go ahead and, and carry that, and you I can't lift that up, but then someone came along and helped you out, well, there you go. You're bearing one another's burdens. You're able to carry it. And, and what this here has an idea of is when you says bear one another's burdens, it's, it's you're walking together with that person. You know, you're walking through what they're going through, uh, the difficulties. And I got to add, and I must add, that our burdens that God has allowed us to carry, they don't go on all the time into eternity. There is an end. You got that right. The things that we go through, as heavy as they might be, as difficult as they be, you know, there, there is an end to it. There is an end to it. God has uh, an end in sight. And guess what? Eternity, we're not going to have those issues, that's for sure. Um, remember, it says here, uh, remember what Jesus said in John 13, 34, and it goes along with verse 2 where he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus said this in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you. And I love when God gives us things. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Ah, that's it. So now, Chris, you're stuck. You got to love me. <laughs> 
right? So you got to love one another, right? And that's the new commandment. So that goes right along with verse 2. He says, so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, let's look at verse 3 as we move along through chapter 6. He says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Oh, man. Being high-minded and prideful or thinking yourself to be something when you are not is self-deceiving. It's self-deceiving, okay? And, and that is a worldly trait, to have that attitude. I know you guys see a lot of that in the world, people thinking they're something when they're not. Well, he's telling the church, hey, don't, don't, don't do that, don't do that. So how do we stay away from that? How do we stay away from verse 3? Well, I love how he does this. He, he talks about examining and proving and testing what you've done. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. So he gives that instruction in verse 3. Then he says, but let each one examine his own work and then, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. I love that. Now, our work, things that we do, right, are between God and us, guys. Okay, we don't have any billboards saying, look at me and look what I've done, right? We don't need any pats on the back saying, oh, great job, you did good, keep doing it, right? What he's saying here is we need to examine the work that we have done. Now, why, am I do why am I examining the work that I've done? Listen to this. Well, for me, I know many times the things that I do, my motives are not, you know, as pure as maybe yours, Kathy, you know. But um, I tell you one thing. If we can examine what we do, we can think about 1 Corinthians 3.13. Think about this, 1 Corinthians 3.13. Um, it talks about the testing, uh, fire. It talks about, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So I want to think about this. If we could prove or if we could test or, uh, or look at what we do, right, the works that we do, we could prove or test it, right, here on earth for the Lord, right, and we could make our corrections and get our attitudes squared away, so I do what I do right before the Lord, then guess what happens on reward day? A lot of that stuff's not going to burn up, is it? I've already looked at why I do the things that I do, and I says, okay, my motives were wrong, but I need to examine myself. I need to check myself and do what's right. And then you know what happens? Come that day, and where it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, on that day, the reward day, a lot of the fire that's going to burn up uh, a lot of my works, maybe a lot of them will stand. And that's something if I'm doing what is right, right here on this earth before the Lord. But it takes me to examine myself. And that's what he says here in verse 4, right? He says, but let each one examine his own work. So that's good advice. He gives the church, examine your work, what you do for the Lord and why you do what it is you do. And then you'll have rejoicing in yourself alone and not in another. It's between us and God, you and God, what you do for the Lord. And then he says in verse 5, look at verse 5. He says, for each one shall bear his own load. I like that. Now, Paul is not contradicting himself in verse 2 where he says about bear one another's burdens. Here he says, right, that you for each one shall bear his own load. 
Now, he's talking about here in verse 5, individual responsibility. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about individual responsibility. Once again, we each have an individual responsibility to examine their own work and be responsible to the Lord. Very good advice that he gave the church there. Now, Paul now instructs the church on how they should respond to teachers. Look at verse 6. How they should respond to the teachers in their church, to their pastors. Look at verse 6. He says... Let him who is taught, okay, let him who is taught, the students, right, the congregation, let him who is taught the word share in all things with him who teaches. Very good. Sharing in all things with the teacher. And I like that sharing. I like that word sharing. Now, you all know, okay, you all know that God has given you Things. He's giving you material things. He's giving you all kinds of things. It says share in all things. So God has given it. Well, everything God has given you, right, is not just for you. What God has given you is not only for you, but it is for others. Do you remember in the Old Testament with the Levites? The Levites were the only ones that God had ordered the people, the tribes, to give to the Levites to sustain them, right? Financially, in every other way. They worked for the Lord, right? So here, I love how he brings in, in, in verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all things with him who teaches, which is why we give our tithes, which is why we give our offerings, right? Which is why we give our time to do the things that we do. I love that, I love it. So he's giving good advice to the church on giving uh, to the teachers uh, of the churches there to support them so they could stay uh, in the word of God and in doing the job God called them to do. Okay, now verse 7, he moves on to verse 7, and he says this, he says, Do not be deceived, right? Self-deception is very easy to do. When we want to live a certain way and do things our own way, we end up justifying our actions to cover up what is wrong. So then he says here, guys, do not be deceived, all right? So self-deception is very easy. He says, God is not mocked. And I says, okay, well, mocked, okay. I, I think I pretty much know what that word means, but I really didn't. I looked it up, and it says ridiculed. So God is not ridiculed. Right? So I said, okay, well, it's interesting here. God is not ridiculed um, because there's going to be a price to pay. Because he goes on to say, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So God is not mocked. So that means people can be mocking him, but there's a, pay, a price to pay. So I said, well, what does ridicule mean? And, and uh, um, synonyms for ridicule were very interesting. Listen to a few of them. It says, mockery, derision. Laughter, laughing at God, scorn, scoffing, contempt, having contempt for God, jeering, sneering at God, teasing, taunting, sarcasm, satire, informal kidding and ribbing and uh, goofing around, uh, razzing on God. Nah, not a good thing. So, looking back at verse 7, do not be de- deceived, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Listen, 
For whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. So there is a price to pay. Look at verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. That's what it says. Now, one thing we do not want to have a harvest of, guys, is a harvest of corruption. Okay? We don't want to reap that. Um, we don't want to use the gifts that God has given us. We don't want to use the time that God has given us and all of the resources and blessings that we have. And we don't want to take that and sow it to the flesh. Because guess what's going to happen? It's going to reap corruption. So, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Now, notice the type of soil that He's telling the church they're sowing into. Look at the soil. The soil is what? Flesh. The reason that a lot of us, I think Christians, have so much problems with the flesh is because we're sowing to the flesh. And it seems to be producing a lot of mess. But just think that the fleshly mind, let's think of our mind, the fleshly part of our mind is being sowed. Our fleshly emotions, things are being sowed into it. Fleshly imaginations. And when we start sowing all of our resources into those things, then we are going to have a harvest to reap, which leads to nothing but death. Very simple example, pornography, right? We know our country is inundated with pornography. And the more that we take all our resources, all of our time, and put it into that, what does it produce at the end? Nothing but death. Amazing. Amazing, isn't it? It's very good advice. Very simple, right? Now, he says here, though, however, after that verse, but, and I love the buts. I love it. But he who sows to the Spirit, capital S, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. I love that. Jesus said it, and I, I quoted it earlier. Um... Matter of fact, I want you to turn to it. I want you to look at John chapter 6 and verse 63, thinking in mind about the sowing and, and, and about the Spirit of God, all right, and what we reap from that. And turn to John 6 and uh, verse 63, and it has 71 verses in that uh, chapter. Did you know that? That's a long chapter. I love it. Chapter 6, and look at verse uh, 63, verse 63, and this is a good one to highlight. And the Lord says, it is the Spirit. I'll wait a second till you get there. Here the page is turning. John chapter 6, verse 63, and I have my glasses, so I have the right verse. It says, it is the Spirit, capital S, God's Holy Spirit, it is the Spirit who gives life. Now, I want you to stop right there and think about this. We're talking about sowing to the Spirit and having everlasting life. Now, this verse takes us all the way back to Genesis, doesn't it? You remember Adam? You remember him, right? Oh, you weren't there. Right? Anyway, you remember Adam? God made him. He's laying there or wherever he was, made out of dirt, and he's just laying there. There's no life in him. It's just a bunch of flesh laying there. But it wasn't until God leaned over and breathed into him and that life came, right? There he is. He's a living being. What did that? 
God's breath, the Holy Spirit. It brought life. If you take, if there was no life in him, the flesh is, is, is nothing. It's corrupt. It's just laying there. So it is the spirit. So everything that we do and everything that we're trying to do should be in the spirit. Because that's what's going to bring that long-lasting life and the benefit to people. But look what it says in finishing that verse in 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits what? Nothing. The flesh profits nothing. Wait a minute. My flesh has got to profit something. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't. No, a little bit? Can I go to the gym and no, no, none of this towards the Lord, none of the flesh is going to profit. It's the spirit. It is the spirit. Now look what else it says at the end of that verse. It says, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, right? Isn't that what it says? The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So think about that. We're in God's word. We're reading God's word. The things that you're reading are spirit and they are life. And that's what's giving you your strength. That's what's giving you your life. That's what's giving you your hope. That's what's giving you your strength each day. You're not going to get it from the magazine. You're not going to get it from, I don't know, where else, what, the TV or wherever else I'm looking, right? I'm not going to get life there. The spiritual life that I need to overcome the very trials that I go through every day, the difficulties that will face me, I'm going to get the power through that, through the Spirit of God. And I'm going to get it from His Word. The very words of God are spirit and life. I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's move along a little bit here and we'll finish up our chapter. All right? So let's stay close to God's Word, guys. Following His Word very close so that we will have an awesome harvest that we can be able to reap. That's the harvest I want to reap. I don't want to reap any of these bad harvests to the flesh. All right, let's read verse 9, and let's move along. It says, and let us not, all right, so got it, and let us, I like the us, I like the togetherness, I like us in the church, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap. I like that. We shall reap if, uh-oh, if we do not lose heart. Oh, man. Now, it says, let us, so it's a nice family uh, uh, thing talking to the church here. I like that. I like us being a part of that. Let us, okay? If we lose heart, that's what it says here. If we lose heart, we're not going to reap. That's what it says, right? Let's look at that again. He says at the end of verse 9, if we do not lose heart, he says, if we do not lose heart, he says, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Saying that if you lose heart, you're not going to reap. Now, it is easy in our day and age to lose heart in the things of God. It's a reality. It is easy to grow weary in the things of God in our day and age, especially when you don't see the results that you think you should get. When you don't see things going the way that you, I've invested so much into this, but I don't see it going my way. I've cleaned the church for so long, or I have paid so much money for this, I've given out so many, I don't know, whatever you do for the Lord, you could be saying to yourself, you know, I'm tired. I'm just, I'm spent. I just let somebody else do it. Too easy to do that in the church. 
some easier you know, for others. And, but I tell you one thing, guys. Hang in there. Because when he said, let us, it's key that what we do for God, that we do it together. That's what fellowship is all about. Because there's going to be a time when I'm weary and I'm going to need you to lift me up. And don't say you're not going to lift me up because we just learned you have a responsibility as a spiritual mature Christian to bear one another's burdens. So let us means a lot. That's why we should not forsake ourselves in our assembling together. Whenever we gather, especially on potluck, yeah. But I'm telling you guys, this, this is the let us and, and, and all of that weariness and all of that losing heart. We're going to encourage one another and strengthen one another to make it through. You know what I mean? That's what God has, has placed all of this wonderful fellowship for, you know? So, um, so look, if you don't see immediate results for your labor, hang in there. Don't get weary. You know, there's always someone there to help you. And definitely don't lose heart. Because losing heart sets in when you start getting weary. Okay, so verse 9, he talks to them. He's encouraging them. He's finishing up this epistle. Uh, he's about to close this up and mail it out. Um, now we look at verse 10. Okay, now verse 10 is going to give us guidance on what, what to do when we are weary and when we are losing heart. Look at verse 10. He says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Do you know doing things that God leads you to do that are good helps you? It really does. He says, So let us do good to all, not just some, Dave, all. You have no choice now. <laughs> So we're going to do good to all, right? And then he goes on to say, um, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's you. That's our family. That's the Christians. He says, yep, pull them aside. He says, especially to the Christians, those who are of the household of faith. He says, I want you to do good to those. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that is what's going to help us. We isolate ourselves you notice that in our society today we isolate ourselves we stay away from fellowship we stay away from gatherings we stay away from these things we isolate ourselves and then we don't get the help that God has for us that comes through another brother or another sister so let us do good to all especially to those who are the household of faith now the next few verses as we're going to close the next few verses are going to close out verse 11 through 18 Galatians, right? But we're going to see a few things as we read through these verses. Notice a few things we're going to see when we read here. We're going to read that Paul validates his authorship of this epistle. This is Paul's writing. He's also, Paul is going to call out those false teachers of the false doctrine of works in the law. We're going to see that in these verses. He also, he's going to point, okay, point out, that these false teachers are avoiding the persecution that was coming in those days for preaching the gospel. Do you know preaching the gospel back then brought on persecution? You know, today, in many countries, that brings on persecution. We're also going to see that Paul makes it very clear how his boasting 
is in the cross of Christ and that the world is dead to him. We're going to see that in just these few verses. So let's take a look at that. Look at verse 11. He says, See, with what large letters I have written to you with my own hands. He did not want them mistaken that someone else wrote this. He wrote this. Verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, and we've seen a lot of that, right? These would compel you to be circumcised. So he's, he's bringing this doctrine out again. He says only, and this is the reason, only that they may, may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Now, how in the world can we also suffer persecution in America today in Belleville, Illinois? You know, there's no one trying to kill me for sharing the gospel. But do you know the enemy throws a lot of thoughts in your mind and tries to persecute you in those ways that keep you from sharing the gospel? Don't tell this person. Don't tell that person. Don't leave that track. Don't read your Bible. Don't do these things, right? And it's all because you decided to walk closer to the Lord. Every time that you decide to do something for God, the enemy who never sleeps is always in your back trying to stop you. <laughs> Anytime. Try it. Try it. Barb, right? You, you're writing these, these, these uh, uh, um, wonderful instructions in marriage, right? I can guarantee the enemy's already trying to mess with you. Don't do that. But you know what? That's okay. So he says these, these guys back here in his day, he says they were teaching another doctrine that avoided that, avoided any persecution. They weren't preaching the gospel. He says in verse 13, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law. And we learned earlier, no one can keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They just wanted a notch on their belt saying, you're following me, look at this. Okay, so he calls them all out, brings us all back to their memory. We learned this in the first couple of chapters and throughout Galatians. He's bringing this back up to them at the end, and I think it's for good reason. Because we get in a works-type attitude. I mean, look at it as a kid. If you do good on your homework, I pay you. If you clean your room, you get this, right? So that's the way our life is. We've always been that way. But when we come to God, God says, I don't need none of that. But Lord, I thought you loved me if I do. I said, I love you regardless. I loved you before you even did anything. And that's the way it was. So he brings us back to our mind, and he brings it, and I'm bringing it back to our mind right now as we go through it. I love that. I love that. All right, verse 14 uh, coming to a close, he says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's stop there for a minute. A lot of us, you know, think we have a lot to boast in. I have a lot to boast in, don't I? Graduated here. I succeeded here. I did this. I did that. Nope. Not at all. Paul says, he says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me. I don't need to boast and have the accolades of the world. He says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What happens when you're crucified? <laughs> you're dead. 
Did you ever go to a, a funeral and whoever's laying in the coffin that has passed and you offer them a cup of coffee or something, they're not going to get it. They're dead to the world. They're dead to everything, right? There's no response. Paul is saying, I, he says, I am dead to the world. No response from me. I don't need to boast. I don't need to do that. Verse 15, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, meaning the Jews, nor uncircumcision, he's talking to the Gentiles, even them, he says, it avails, he says, avails anything but a new creation. The only thing that matters, according to verse 15, is being a new creation. That's it. And we talked about that in the very beginning about being born again. So if you're not born again, this is a good time to get it right with the Lord so that you could be part of the brethren. I love that. And then it says here in verse 16, he says, and as many as walk according to this rule, so everything that we learn and seen, but as many as walk according to this rule, he says, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And you know what? I know I need this God's peace. I know I need God's mercy. And I know I need to be walking in the very things that I've been learning right out of Galatians. I love it. I love it. So he prays a blessing over them. Peace and mercy be upon them. Verse 17. He says, from now on, let no one trouble me. So he was being troubled by this stuff. Have you been troubled by the things in the world? You turn on the news or you hear things on Christian radio or Christian TV. Does it trouble you, some of the things that are coming over there? does me. He says, he says <clears throat> right here, he says, um, for now let no one trouble me. Why? For I bear in my body, that's in his physical body, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing the things that Paul went through that if you looked at his body, he would say, I got this stoning from here. I got this whipping from here. All for the gospel, all for the Lord. He got so much abuse physically from just serving the Lord. And he says, look at me, man. He says, I've been through all of this and I'm still not stopping. I love him. I love him. Then he finishes the last verse, verse 18. Uh, he says, brethren, he began it with brethren. He ends it with brethren. I love that. This is family. This is the, the Christians. He says, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit and grace is something that we need. Without the grace of God, guys, we're not going to make it, right? But because of God's grace and what he's given us. And then he says, the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, that's not our Lord's first, middle, and last name, right? Lord Jesus Christ. Lord. Is he your Lord? Only those that he is Lord over can you say Lord. Jesus, right? Messiah, Jesus Christ. And in Christ, what he came to do. So it's beautiful. So he ends his verse with um, the Galatians. And he says to them, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And I say the same thing to you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may his, his grace be upon you. May his spirit be in you and strengthen you each and every day. So we finished here in uh, Galatians. I uh, hope you've learned a lot. I know I've learned a lot. And God has been so good through this. And may you continue to read through God's word. And Lord willing, um, as long as it's up to the pastor, we'll stay in the New Testament. 
uh, when I teach, and we're going to start in the Gospel of Mark. And I think you're going to really enjoy that. Right, Mark? It's a great, a great gospel. So let's pray and ask God's blessing as we have our last song. Father, your word has once again spoken to us and challenged us, fed us and, and led us simply. So we pray that as we continue to look through Galatians and we continue to read through it from time to time, that you continue to strengthen the things we've learned so that our lives will be those successful Christian lives that, that not only you have planned for us, that we desire. I pray, Father, that uh, your blessings will continue to rest heavily upon us through your wonderful word and, and as we continue to look into it. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.